Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, welcome to another episode. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I'm your, your host, your guide for today, and I'm honored that you would spend some time with me today, and I'm humbled that you would let me be a part of your journey. And I hope this episode finds you well wherever you're at, but if nothing else, that you leave feeling better, and that this episode leaves you better than it found you. Today's episode is with Dr. Ted Ransaw, and I can't tell you how blessed I am and fortunate it I am to have had this conversation and how fortunate I feel to be able to share it with you because it really created a new awareness for me that I didn't realize that was actually there. And for the longest time, we've talked about generational trauma and and for the longest time, I didn't think that I had any, right? I look at my family and things look pretty good from the outside, but I think that that's probably and perhaps one of the biggest problems is that we're not aware of these things. And not only that we're not aware of it, but how real it actually is and how how present it is. And and Dr. Ransa talks about some really fascinating stuff when it comes to how trauma shows up today from years ago. So, it's fantastic. I'm so excited that you get to listen today. And more importantly that you get to bring this knowledge and the information that we cover on this episode into your life and into your future and into your future generations. So enough of me, y'all. Let's get into today's episode with Dr. Ted Ransaw. Ted, my man, thank you for being here today on the Modern Masculinity Show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. I am happy to join you and really interested in having a strong conversation. I'm so happy because so many of the people that we talk to and so many that I do podcasting and that's kind of my world. And I've done, I don't know how many interviews, hundreds of interviews. And most of the people that we're talking to, they've read some books and they've done, you know, man, and then all of a sudden they just, they think they know some things, but you, I'm excited because you are someone who is, you're kind of in there doing the research, finding out what's real. And I'm excited to have this conversation, but I'm curious for you. The question we always start with is something that's challenging or maybe some struggles. And maybe you can even expand this a little bit. It isn't, if you want to take it personally, you can, but maybe it's a more macro challenge or struggle that men as a whole and the groups that you're working with, maybe something that they're experiencing, you know, what's relevant for you right now? Well, great question. Uh, Very well prepared. I have two. I wish I could say I have one, but I have two. The first challenge, I'm struggling with the conceptualization of what a real man is. And I don't necessarily mean that on our end as men, but from women. And not saying that women aren't smart, because women as being nature, they do select, they play a role in that. But I'm thinking what a real man is, the definition of that is, I'm struggling wrapping my head around what people tell me what a real man is. That's my major one. And then my second one that's equally as major is trying to help fathers as well as what we would call woke culture, struggling to help them think through or to assist them or to maybe encourage them to think about that fathers are important. And those are two things that I'm really having a big problem with. And as you can see, those two are obviously directly related. 
I would love to hear how that is evolving and the idea and importance of fatherhood and fathers, how that's evolving in the communities that you're working with and why that's such a big challenge right now. Well, forgive me, these two get crossed a little bit because they're fairly well interrelated. So there's a lot of conversation about this is the alpha male and the alpha males do this and everything comes down. This is an alpha male and this is a beta male. So I think there's pretty much no in between. I'm not saying there is or there isn't, but it's basically a black and white issue. And so I hear that biggest, strongest guy, women want the guy who's the biggest and strongest. Uh, women want the guy that's the bad boy. They don't really like the good guy. That may be true, right? So these thoughts about the alpha male and what an alpha male is. But interestingly to me, often around different circles, women and folks who post things online, but as well as, quote unquote, the manosphere or the red pill in that circle, I still haven't found a solid conversation about what it is to be a real man. And so how it gets crossed, the man being a real man and masculinity, right, and why I'm struggling is the assumption is the big, strong alpha silverback gorilla, that's the strongest because he's the biggest, the strongest, right? But that's not really the case. The biggest, strongest in the ape community is usually works for someone else, right? He usually works for one of the other largest silverbacks. The same thing in modern day society. The biggest, strongest guy in the room has a boss and he's just a strong arm. The biggest, strongest man in the room has never been the alpha male. And I don't know where we got that from. We've mapped different things from different cultures, well, from different animal kingdoms that this is the alpha male, this is the alpha male. The alpha male in the ape community is the alpha male. He's big, he's strong, he's capable, but he's not just the biggest and strongest. It's not necessarily that he's the smartest. Alpha male is the one that he's big and strong physically. He has to have some type of capability, but he's the one who goes and gets the, there's a straw that the apes like to use to sleep on. He goes and every time he goes out, he comes back and brings some of that to the older to the alpha male, the head of the um, tribe, so to speak, before him, he would give that to him. Every time he goes out, he brings someone to the older ones. He goes and he's around the women and he helps mediate arguments, solves problems. Even in the book, The Pecking Order, the head rooster is the one that intervenes between the female chickens who are arguing. Not saying that females argue. My point being is he helps and supports the community. So the alpha male is the one who is high competency over all domains, not just one. And so the reason being, you could be the biggest, strongest guy as ape in this case, but two or three of the young guys coming up, they'll take you out. You can't be so big and strong that you can take out more than two or three of people in your same physical shape. That just doesn't happen. So what happens is that big, strong guy, the things the leader know what happens when the other young apes come up and they try and take swell up on them, run aggressively on them. That's when the old guys come out. They might limp, but they'll just come and they'll just stand behind you. The one that he helped bring the cushioning so that they could sleep, he's got the support of the elders before him. And so that same alpha male, the real alpha male, not the necessarily the biggest, strongest, he's the one that goes out and talks to the younger apes coming up and say, hey, man, maybe you want to go over here and hunt on this side more than that side. And he establishes having value to the younger folks coming up. So that way, when he gets older, that same person, the new ape comes up and it's a mentorship, right? And so 
the alpha male isn't like this, this single sigma guy that's out and alone doing things and big and strong and all the women. No, it's the one that is capable and has utility through everyone in, in this tribe or nest or however you want to call it. That's really the alpha male, right? And if we switch that to humans, the real alpha male is the alpha male that knows how to network. The same thing. You have to help the young guys in the job coming up. You got to be connected to the folks that are before you, the old guys. So you can say, hey, man, that just happened. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, young buck, this is what you do. You have that connection. It's the guy that goes out and runs around and sleeps with all of the women. That's not the alpha male. It's never have been alpha male. And not to be too long on this, to think about this for a quick second. The real alpha male is really a father. And how many folks have ever had that conversation? So let me give you an example. If we go back 100,000 years ago, however many years ago you want, the male that went out and made it with a different female every day for 30 days, a different female every day for 30 days. At the end of that, he had a one in 30 chance of mating with that female on her ovulation cycle, one in 30 every day. The one male that made it with the same woman, the same female every day for 30 years, but the same woman had a 100% chance of meeting that ovulation cycle. Statistically, that's the alpha male, not the other one. Where do we get this thing that the guy who runs around and where do people go, males and females, oh, he, the one who sleeps with the most women? No, that's never been the case. If you look at the apes, the female apes, they sleep with every man in the tribe. The alpha male is the one is big. He just scares the other one off during mating cycle because they only mate a couple of times a year. So this thinking that you're going out and sleeping with a whole bunch of women makes you an alpha male. It's, it's ne- that you just can't reproduce on the same amount. And so when we're thinking about what a real man is, where is the conversation about the real man being a father? Back a thousand years ago, when females were pregnant about to have children, they were really vulnerable. Before during and after. If you weren't around to protect the mother of your child, you weren't going to have any children. And if you weren't around to support the females all right, that were born from the mother of your children, if you're not protecting her against other males and the other wild animals, it wasn't going to survive. If you're not around to support your son when he's weaning himself separated from the mother to teach him how to hunt and make a fire, you didn't have a son to survive. So the alpha male has always been the father. Where do we get this thing that's sleeping with a whole bunch of women? And where do women come up with this idea that, oh, we like him because he sleeps with a bunch of women and the constant, or he's big and strong? That just doesn't necessarily match up. And I'm not blaming women, not blaming men, but it just seems like to me that this conversation about being a real man and what masculinity is, it just seems to me is not really based on reality. Those two things are something that I've been struggling with. A theme that's been coming up on this show is that there's not a lot of great models for men. There are some great dads and some great husbands and stuff, but collectively and as a whole, and even in the dads and men that we see highlighted in Hollywood or the musicians that are popular, right? There's not a ton of great examples. And so not only that, then comes along, it's not, A, it's not cool, but then B, even the people who want to do what's quote unquote right, who want to do good, want to get better, there's not a lot of resources out there. So what do you tell those men? How do you help them to actually start taking steps towards becoming what you're talking about? 
That's a great question, and I wish I had a solid answer. I really don't. So the reason why I don't have an answer, the research that I've done with regards to fatherhood, we may not have talked about this yet, but I am actually a researcher on fatherhood. And why don't you share just to fill people in on what you're just to be brief, just to give you some context. This is how I started my being involved in fatherhood. I was in a band when I dropped out of school, did a record label, like a whole bunch of other folks. That's what we did. <laughs> That's what folks did when I was a freshman in college. Started a record label. We were doing music. I went to hang out with one of my friends in California. We were in Pomona. We were recording in Pomona. And he just had a daughter with a young lady. And so we were running back and forth. We put 500 miles going back and forth to the studio in like three days. because But it's California, right? That's how it is, right? And so he went, picked up his daughter, said, let me spend some time with her. And then he picked her up. And then we went to his grandmother's house. That's where he was staying. And then he sat down and he fell asleep. I fell asleep. And I'm sleeping on the chair. He's sleeping on the chair. His daughter's next to him. And this is exactly what happened. The phone rang and it was a regular phone. Picked up the phone. He was like, what? Yeah, it's midnight. And your daughter is sleeping with her dad at her grandmother's house. And so what happened over a period of time from that phone call was a contentious relationship between him and the mother where he wanted to get married. She says no, but she didn't want him to have any custody or any responsibility with the child and wanted him to pay for everything. And this legal issue, this is nothing that a lot of men haven't heard before, but I watched it in real time over a period of time. So when I got into working on my PhD, I wanted to study the relationship between grandfathers and their grandsons. My dissertation committee says, well, grandfathers, they're older, they're a protected population. So that may not be as easy to research because there's this extra legal stuff you have to go through to interview folks. So I started researching fathers. So I've been doing this work for a little while. And so I did a lit review about positive representations of men in the media, but especially fathers. And there's hardly any, there's very few. Interestingly enough, I don't know how this happened. There's a couple, one, Revan Run, the TV show, right? He's represented as a really good father. And then Snoop Dogg and his television show, he's represented well as a good father. Where do we get, nothing against Snoop Dogg and Revan Run, those gentlemen are represented in the media. I didn't see that coming. But other than those two, there's very few positive representations of masculine men or men in general, but especially fathers. So in my class, I eventually wound up teaching a masculinity class, a black masculinity class, one of the first in the United States. This is when I was at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And I noticed that men in my class sometimes didn't want to stand up or speak up or anything because I think they wanted to make sure they didn't ruin any opportunities with young ladies around them so that they weren't being frank. So I created the black masculinity class and I thought men would attend. And I always had more women in class than men. Didn't see that coming. In retrospect, should have saw it coming. But to answer your question, half of, and when I mean half, I'm talking within two or three, half of the men in my classes that I've had, my masculinity classes, said that they didn't have a father growing up. And in this work that I do, it comes down to two things. Most men are, hey, I want to talk about dads. I want to talk about my dad and the happy, or I didn't have a father at home, or I didn't have a good relationship with my father in the home, and I need to talk through that. It's literally split down the middle. And so I really wish I had a few things that I could help men through this. I do have a couple of ideas and strategies for fathers to have stronger connections with the children. But as far as working through the trauma, 
that they've had with their fathers. I'm at a loss, to be very honest. A lot of our listeners I know are going to be dads. And so I'm curious, one thing that's come up is this idea of generational trauma. And a lot of times it gets thrown around kind of as this esoteric thing that is there, right? And then that's just kind of like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's something there, but it's not real. They don't give it a whole lot of credence. And then you have on the other side where people are talking about how it's showing up in DNA and all these things. And I don't necessarily think that we need to talk about what is right, but I'm curious how you look at trauma playing out generationally and what are your thoughts on maybe even the impacts that it's having that people aren't aware of? You could take it wherever you want around that whole idea. So I appreciate that question. So for those of you who are joining in, what he's talking about, generational trauma, I remember the research paper, I don't remember the actual author, excuse me. So we know for a fact that stress from the grandfather can be transmitted all the way to the grandson. We can actually see that biologically, not related. So does diabetes. Diabetes is something that's transmitted down from the grandfather, right? So there are some very severe biological things that we know comes from the grandfather. And so what happens when I'm talking to men who are dealing with trauma, struggling with trauma from either neglect or lack of connection of what they call in the research father hunger is I usually share with them stories about the fathers that I've met and the fathers that I've interviewed. And I share with them some thoughts about what they shared with me. So a lot of fathers who want to be better fathers, but didn't have strong connections with their fathers. The most interesting thing that's come out of my research is they say, well, I know I want to be a better father than the father that I never had, or my father wasn't really good. I want to be better to him. They say, well, I just did everything opposite than what he did. And that sounds simple, but if your father wasn't around, he says, well, I'm going to try and be around. So it's just thinking through trying to do things opposite of the way that they've experienced life. That's what the fathers that I've interviewed have told me has been very helpful. It sounds very simple, but that's one of the most interesting things. Are you suggesting that is what they should do? Because I'm wondering, like I look at my, and my parents come up a lot. I love my dad and he's a great guy and he did everything that I would imagine he could or he tried to do. He was my coach and he was there. Now, do I still feel, I think what you called it, father hungry or dad hungry? What was the mm -hmm. term? Dad hungry, father hungry. Yeah, yeah. because when I look at it, I think about how many times did he say I love you or how many hugs did I ever get? I might be able to count those on two hands combined. But it's like, we could all point to things. But there are also things that he did that were great. He was my coach. He did what he knew. And I don't know that if we were to look at his father, it was probably even less affectionate and told him he loved him even less. And so I know that my dad made strides in certain areas. Is there something there or how would you navigate? So that's a good question. So I'm thinking from your experience, if we go back just a few years ago, like for example, I think it was either 19, somewhere around 1966, it wasn't until around then fathers weren't even allowed to be in the delivery room. And what I mean by that, I know there's one example in 65 where there was a father who was arrested because he wouldn't leave the delivery room. So these things about parenting, what we expect fathers to do, have changed. So that's something to consider. I think to help fathers who are struggling with trauma, not necessarily yourself, but what some other fathers may have gone through, is that it's really helpful to wrap your mind around the fact that mothers are gatekeepers. And so not necessarily blaming women, but it's usually the mother that allows access and supports fathers to be involved in their children's lives. And again, not blaming mothers 
and saying women are the problem. For example, I think it was Kanye, who's a really good example of someone to think about who has had X amount of success in life, but without a father and implication and ramification. That's a whole nother podcast. But Kanye has talked about he didn't realize until he was adult just a few years ago. And the reason why I'm bringing up Kanye is because he's from my neighborhood in Chicago and we're close to the same age. He didn't realize until just a few years ago that his father had wanted to maintain contact with him, but his mother didn't allow him to. And so how does that affect? Is a wait a minute, wait, I did have a dad? And not again, not blaming his mom or blaming the dad. You could argue that the father could have done more. But realizing that mothers can be a gatekeeper or in this case, an ally or prevent. And I think that's something that has helped the trauma. Now, in your case, when you were talking about your dad and showing affection, he may not have had a dad that knew how to show affection. And so I feel you on your pain on that. Where I grew up, which is why I find this work so interesting, I have have a good relationship with my dad. I have a really good relationship with my grandfather. I remember my grandfather's uncles. So I always had a lot of love and support. But this is why I find this work so interesting is when I hear men be brave enough to tell their stories, I'm always interested in hearing about their stories because I find it so fascinating. I'm close to my uncles, right? Like my uncles have been better fathers to me than I know a lot of men who didn't have fathers or who have fathers that quote unquote may not have been as supportive. So that's why I find this work easy. So to answer your question, thinking through that mothers can be gatekeepers and how much you may love your mothers, there may have been something that has prevented her from allowing that door to be open, so to speak. I think that's one of the really good ways to conceptualize that. Ted, I want to talk about this relationship with the mother of their kids, because I think that has evolved so much over the last several years, right? Women empowerment and all these kinds of things are just creating these new dynamics for men. So I want to get your opinion on that, but we're going to do that right after this quick break. Hey guys, thank you guys for being here. Today's episode with Ted is brought to you by Amplify Media. We are a team of enthusiastic genius makers. We feel so excited about people who have a message that they want to share and want to bring some impact to the world. And so if you guys are wanting to bring that to the world, if you're wanting to build a brand and you want podcasts to be a part of that, go to amplifymedia.com and you can find out all the info on how to do that. Without further ado, let's get back to the interview with Ted. Ted, we mentioned before we went to break that the importance of the relationship with your child's mother is so important. If you are together, and then perhaps even more if you're raising kids separately. And the context that I want to bring to this question is that women have been on an upswing of empowerment over the last little bit, as they should have been, and as they should, and to not discount any of that. But that has also changed a lot of the roles and a lot of the dynamics at home or whatever at home means. But now there's just a new set of dynamics that men have to play with where they're not, I heard someone else say it on an interview recently, that we're not living in our dad's or our grandpa's world anymore. We're not living in that world. Our marriages are not in that world either. When you look at the relationship context that's out there and the importance for men to have a good relationship with women, despite all the craziness that's going on, how do you look at that? Or how do you hope to navigate that whole issue? Wow. So just to recap, we don't live in a world where a father could work a job. That job is there for 30 or more years where he could actually retire from the job, 
where that father who just worked a job and a mother didn't have to work, where maybe after like five to 10 years, he could buy a car, but he was able to afford a house and have a retirement and maybe have a couple of dollars to send the kids to college, right? Those days are gone, right? Now that's something that we know. But if we flash forward, or I guess swipe right, or is it left, depending trying to use a new term. We would say fast forward when I was a kid. So if we come present day, it's almost impossible for one person in the home to actually raise a father. I think two people might be able to be happy together monetarily, but having kids. So that's one. The other issue is we don't live in neighborhoods anymore like we used to. Remember, you used to be able to go to play at the park, right? Or you used to go play basketball. Now, if you want to play a sport, your parents got to pick you up and take you there. And I don't know, but I have a niece, my goddaughter. Volleyball practice is really expensive. There is no volleyball uniform that's big enough for my niece. They were all too small. I used to have anxiety attacks helping the shop. Because I can't believe she wears this while I'm still having anxiety. But anyway, so the things are a little bit different for parenting now. And I think what you're talking about is you're addressing the issue that dating has shifted a little bit about one what is considered the ideal man has been based more on income as opposed to integrity. I think that's something that may not necessarily, we need to think about that. So give you a quick story. One of my daughters, she was coming back from Africa. We were having a conversation and she wasn't happy with the men that she saw there. And I was like, you mean there was no guy there in this whole country? No, she's from Niger, by the way. I need to say that she's from Niger. She goes, well, there's some guys. And I said, there was no, well, there was this one guy he was a security guard at the airport. What's wrong with him? Well, he's a security guard. And I was like, well, he was driving an electric cart. And I was like, what's wrong with a security guard? She was like, no. Now, what my daughter may not have thought about is I put myself through school by being a waiter. That's how I paid for college. But I worked in nice, fancy restaurants. That's how I was able to afford to go to college. But my daughter may have turned me down in that same situation. So here we are swiping right however many years ago. I was talking to her about something as well. I went out with this guy and he wasn't really happy. And this other guy, he asked me, he didn't even have a car. And I said, I bet that security guy would come pick you up in his little electric go-kart. She didn't think that was funny. (laughs) And so what I'm getting at is that I don't think the women of today would pick my dad as a father. Now, my dad was in the service, non-commissioned officer. You can't be more alpha than a guy that's in the military. How many women actually think about, oh, well, I would want a guy in the military. Women don't even think about, but how can you not be an alpha male and go through boot camp and all that other stuff, learn to shoot and jump out of planes and all the things that you do, but we don't consider that as an alpha male. We don't consider a man who's a teacher as an alpha male or a good husband, but he doesn't make enough money. You can't be more alpha male than be a teacher in the inner city school. Who can do that other than an alpha male? We're not considering those characteristics. And if we continue going along these lines that he needs to make X amount of money in order to be a mate or father or a good man, we are losing so many things. Like I said, we're really looking at income over integrity. And I think that's somewhere along the way we've lost our way. And I don't know how we're going to fix that. I don't know how we can bring it back the other way. That, at least, though, Ted, is a model, right? I couldn't even think, if we're not going to be judged based on our income, and not even by our income, really, that might be seem vain. Maybe 
in a more evolutionary way, it's our ability to provide. We're going to be judged by our ability to provide, which evolutionarily for the last thousands of years made sense. So I think that we can let women off the hook a little bit. You know, at least I do in that regard in the sense that, oh, it's not that vain. If we were 500 years ago, they're just making business decisions, right? And so we're moving into a world though, where that is not the case. And at least integrity is, it, I don't know, a new metric by which we can gauge. Because I think that men need an ideal. They need, I think Jordan Peterson said this, but that the hierarchy is important for men to create movement for them. If there's no ability to separate yourself in any way, then you're helpless. And at least if we can say, hey, that integrity is the measuring stick by which we're going, that's the pissing contest. We're going to see who can be the most integrous or whatever the word is. Well, at least that's a better world as opposed to if we're just seeing who can make the most money I, you know, I think we're seeing how that's playing out. All right, let me sprinkle a little professor stuff on this. So you hit the nail on the head, so to speak. But for those of you who are joining, there's a space in your brain that is strictly connected to your social group. It is always active. It is so active, it is even active when you are asleep. So this social hierarchy, right? It's not just like, oh, I want to do this to be popular. Men that didn't know how to network and be aligned to social groups didn't reproduce. This is something that's been evolved forever, however many hundred thousands of years it's been. This ability to network, right, and be friends, men that don't know how to establish really good contacts, and we call that networking, right? Those men did not survive. So this is intrinsic to what it is. But there's something in addition to that. I've been studying martial arts for a while, and I played football in high school and some other things. Not anything that's uncommon to most men. But what happens is when you study martial arts, you come and then it's kind of like you have a gym partner. He might lift 20 pounds. The next day, oh, he might try 21. Well, if you do 21, I'm going to do 22. And what happens is you get into this friendly competition. And over a period of time, you've developed a relationship. And now you're competing out of camaraderie, right? Because now this is your boy. And this is someone... If you know someone, hey, man, let's do 20 push-ups. All right, let's do 20 push-ups. All right, tomorrow we do 22. You got someone that is in the game with you and side by side. You've made connections, right? But what happens over a period of time, iron sharpens iron. The most successful men is not so much that they're competing against another person. They're competing to be the best that they can be. And one of the ways that you can be the best that you can be is by other men at your same level or higher that you rise up to. That's, quote unquote, what guys do. And without that, you have those guys that haven't been able to socialize and make those strong connections who are on the outcast of society, right? But without having those around you that you can seek and achieve a goal, it's not so much that the goal is important, it's the pleasure comes from attempting the goal and going that path. So without, as you mentioned, Jordan Peterson, Peterson talking about, without having a responsibility, without adopting responsibility, without having a drive, without having a focus, without having a direction to go into, you don't have a direction, right? You're aimless. And so what you just mentioned, being around other men, being supportive, men being around each other, we need that. We need that as men to help us be better men. It's a big inspiration behind this podcast is being a part of a, it's a dad's group, but it's a men's group. But 
a lot of men lose that, or we had it a little bit when we were younger, sports teams. That's why I think where most guys find it, right? I'd imagine military, those types of things where they find their band of brothers. But then outside of that, most guys don't have that sense of support and, you know, what you're doing. And perhaps it's because we think we don't need any, we don't, we're men. Why do we need, we don't need anyone. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I don't know what I would do without my male friends. And so a couple of thoughts popped in my head. When I played football, white guys, Italian guys, black guys, I didn't go to a very friendly high school. There was fighting fights all the time. I could go into that. But when it came to game day, white, black, Mexican, you had somebody on your team for that day, for that game, you had brothers. And I'm an only child. I like having brothers around. And whether we won or lost, I knew that there was guys I can count on. 25, 30 years later, I see dudes I used to play football with automatically trust them. Automatic, because I know what that person's character is. And so when I've met men who said today they haven't had strong male connections, they haven't had strong male bondings, and I'm like, well, how do you survive in life? A, if you haven't had a father and you haven't had any strong male friends in life, I don't even know how folks navigate. So when you were talking about that male connections and why it's so important, why we need each other, here's the biggest way why I think fathers need each other. The first time I was asked to be a guest speaker to talk about fathers, I'm supposed to come do the introduction, introduce the panelists, and I'm supposed to give some research. So I'm like, hey, I'm Ransaw. I'm coming out the gate. And I'm talking about this. Yeah, I'm Dr. Ransaw or whatever. I pass the mic down and it gets to like the sixth guy on the panel. And he grabs the mic and he says, I can't see my kids anymore. And he broke down and cried. Five minutes into it, five minutes, he bro- that's how it started. And I sat back and then he said some stuff. They gave the mic back to me. I was like, what am I doing? I gave it back. We need to talk. I sat down. I, was, I left the podium. I sat down. I'm like, we in a session. We had the first 10 minutes, we had a deep session. So why this is important and, and men being connected and why we need each other. The one thing that I've seen other than playing football or sports is that when men talk about their children, automatically camaraderie. I've seen guys break down, dudes don't come out of woodwork, give them a hug, right? Oh, man, I know how you feel. Tell me about your son. And we tell these big stories. Every time we've ever done that, I leave uplifted because now you were in a room with strangers. Now you left friends because you, oh, man, my kid had this problem. Did your kid go to song school? Now we break out and all these, it's one of the most amazing bonding things I've ever seen. But the support that other men, and when I mean other men, other like-minded men that have a drive and direction, you know, about something, the support that they give you, that can drive you through the rest of the week. I like that, especially about the work that I do, is that within 15 minutes, guys start talking about their kids, crying, happy, I don't know why folks have said that men don't show emotion. I see men show emotion all the time. Daughter's graduation day when she's about to go to prom. Some dude, some knucklehead dude shows up at the door. Fathers show emotion. I see it. Men do show emotion. And in football games, we show emotion. But the support that you can get, it's the emotional support that we may not get, but we can get when we're amongst each others together where we can be open. And I think that's a strong point and supports the idea of why you're saying we need men, need other men. I've got one final question for you, Ted. But before we get into that, you've got, I want to say books, but I believe there's multiple books. Also, if you could share anywhere else where people can go deeper down the rabbit hole or where they might be able to connect with you online. I have a few books. 
Most of my books have a lot to do with education, educational outcomes. So I have three research areas. I look at what fathers do to help their kids in school. I look at male educational outcomes, and I look at identity as a reader. And those things are all related. So I'm Theodore Ransaw. My last name is R-A-N-S-A-W. And if you look me up in Google or in Amazon books, you'll see a few things that come up there. Most of the things that I've written academically about fathers are academic journals, so they may not necessarily come up, but my books come up in Amazon. And I am working on a free course called The Coach, Mentor, and Friend, Three Strategies for Building Stronger Relationships with Your Children and the Mother of Your Children. I just posted the website, I think, yesterday, and I'm handing out the bugs. So I'm sure by the time this is broadcast, this will be available. And it's free. I'm not trying to make any money. I'm just trying to support fathers. And what I would like to see is over a period of time is that there's enough of a relationship between folks who download the documents and look at the course. Maybe we could have a network and keep in communication. Count on me to support you as a father however I can, any resources that I have. I literally have all types of stuff sitting on my desk, and I just want fathers to be the best fathers that they can be. One, I think it's important. Two, selfishly, as a someone who's been a teacher in K-12 as well as in college, if there were more fathers in the world, my job as a teacher would be a lot easier. You can tell kids who don't have a father within the first two days of school. Impactful. My last question for you, Ted, is what does modern masculinity mean to you? I think modern masculinity means to me is when men accept and embrace responsibility. Oversimplification. So what does that mean? We're taking responsibility of being a father, being there for your kids, being supportive of the mother of your children, taking the responsibility of making sure your son does his homework, taking the responsibility of making sure that you show your daughter what type of man that she should be looking for. Adopting responsibility to me is what makes you a man. And I'm not saying that you have to accept all the responsibility and put everything on your shoulder, but the concept that men to be men need to cry. No, we don't need more crying men in the world. We need men to be able to stop crying and shoulder responsibility and put their shoulders to the wheel and move things along. You heard it. This is great. Thank you guys for being here with us. Thank you guys for being part of the Modern Masculinity family. And we'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all. If iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. But if you're a man and you're alone or listening to this, then who sharpens you? What's going on, guys? Ted Faden here, host of the Modern Man Podcast, also founder of the Noble Knights Mastermind Group. And I'm just out here encouraging you to find your circle. Maybe you're on a personal growth journey and nobody around you understands the new mentality that you're possessing. That's okay. You can find an online community that will pour into you, will navigate your goals and navigate your obstacles, share their experiences, resources, and more. Join the Noble Knights Mastermind Group and try us out for free to tap into a community of men helping each other scale up and reach their goals. Check out themodernmanpodcast.com.